I'm predicting that the Fed is going to lower the Fed funds rate by more than 100 basis points. Shareholders are going to demand cuts to jobs. They're going to demand cuts to expenses, spending decreases across corporations. If higher bond prices are going to force corporations to shed payroll to cut costs, you know, that'll increase unemployment. It'll reduce consumer spending. You know, it'll decrease consumer sentiment. I think there's a little bit of a, a snowball effect that happens as you start to see something break. Hey guys, welcome to the pod. This is uh, the end of the year. We're recording this on December 29th, 2023. Um, and so Daniel had the great idea of making some bold predictions and uh, we will see whether we are, uh, whether we're right or wrong. This is not um, investment advice by any means, um, just kind of our view of the market. So welcome, Daniel. Um, so I'll kind of let you kick this off since this was your idea. And uh, now I feel like, um, you know, the the traditional the traditional position of an investment fund manager or, or investment manager in general is to caveat everything um, because we have no view of the future. And so this is a this is a terrifying prospect for me, but I like it. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. Like we'll, we can. Uh... The bolder, the better, and then we'll we'll hold ourselves accountable with a follow up episode at the end of twenty twenty four, and we'll see if we were see if we were even close. Yeah. But um, yeah. okay, I'll kick us off. So cool. So bold prediction number one is I'm I'm predicting that the Fed is going to lower the Fed funds rate by more than a hundred basis points. Um, so I guess I, I'm predicting that we're going to get at least five at least five quarter point cuts, if not more, in twenty twenty four. So what do you think? So five quarter, I mean, that would be, that'd be a huge move, right? It would be a uh, fed funds rate down 25% from where it is right now. Um, and right now unemployment is incredibly sticky. It hasn't moved up at all. Uh, you know, everyone's talking about a soft landing. Um, so what do you think kind of precipitates this? Um, you know, what is the, what does the environment look like where the fed, lowers those rates is the economy stable are they just are they looking forward and they're like okay we've done enough and we're going to try and land this plane softly yeah i guess i think that everyone's leaning towards this kind of soft land idea. <clears throat> excuse me everyone's leaning towards this soft landing idea and it seems to me like it's not going to take much for for it to go worse than expected and so i guess <laughs> if you figure that I, I think the consensus would be that there's at least 75 to 100 basis points of cuts in 2024. So the truth is, I'm not sure that 125 basis points is all that bold of a of a prediction. But I, I do think that we're I do think that things go not quite as smooth as as Wall Street and the potentially the Fed is forecasting, and that we see something that pushes us, to, you know, pushes the Fed into. Um, a little bit more of aggressive of a cut. The other thing is it's an election year. And so I think there's gonna be a lot of political pressure to keep unemployment low. And uh, just based on, you know, Trump's previous campaigns, my guess is he'll be, you know, chastising the Fed right out of the gate and, and putting all sorts of pressure on them to, um, to act in a way that stimulates the economy. Yeah, so this is, uh, I think this is pretty interesting. This is, I think this is an interesting, um, you know, an interesting prediction. I, I actually have something here I can like, let me see if I can pull this up on the screen. Um, so it has been really surprising for me how quickly we have gone from 
you know, how quickly we've gone from everyone saying hire for longer to, uh, to, to not that at all. So I think, let me see if I can pull this up. If you can see the screen right here, right? Higher for longer, higher for longer, subsides a little bit, massive spike, and it has just dove, right? Uh, and if you switch that for um, soft landing, um, I think you're seeing like a consistent trend, uh, consistent trend upwards, right? And you see basically the exact opposite, increases in August and increases at the end of the year versus, um, versus what you saw uh, versus what you saw with the higher for longer kind of thing. And it's been, I mean, really what rates have rallied in the past three, four weeks. I mean, um, so, so yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, I think that kind of jives. It's an interesting, it's interesting how quickly that, um, you know, that, that it's turned right. Um, and how quickly the, uh, the market has started to price in, uh, you know, a hundred bips in, 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 in rate cuts, uh, you know, or more, I think what, what is, what's priced in currently. Do you remember? I think it depends on which model you look at, but I, it's yeah. Somewhere between 75 and 125 basis points are priced in, I think, yeah. um, depending on how you read it. So, so I guess, yeah, from that standpoint, my, my, my prediction is not that far out of the consensus, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if it was going to go, if it's going to surprise us one way or the other, I would expect that it'll surprise us by more cuts, not less. I, I'd be, I think it's more likely that we see 175 basis points than I think that we only see 50. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you're right. I, so my bold, one of my bold predictions is, so there's two scenarios in which I think there's rate cuts, right? That is the Fed looks like, you know, they're starting to see the data. They think that they've conquered inflation and they're going to bring it back down to what they call like, the, I think it's like the, uh, the neutral rate, right? Um, or roughly the neutral rate, which is where you get an equilibrium and the right amount of tightness in the market and a healthy market, um, you know, and, and, and kind of where we should be sitting to see, you know, steady to slight inflation. Um, and, you know, I think that's usually like 50 uh, 25, 50 bips of real rate. Um, and right now inflation sitting at 3% and, uh, you know, the fed funds rate is like five twenty-five. And so there's a, there's the argument to be made that, um, you know, that they're looking at that and they're saying, okay, well, you know, we've already slowed down inflation. You know, I think core inflation is kind of coming in, uh, you know, and we see the rents, you know, rents are continually coming down. That's a huge factor, which we spoke about last episode, um, in inflation. And so we are going to kind of start to move into the neutral rate and we're going to softly land the plane. I think my bold prediction is I think we are in a technical recession by the end of next year. I think something big breaks. Um, so I don't think, you know, I think normally what we see are big lags um, or some sort of lags between when the Fed, the Fed tightening cycle and something breaking. And I, I mean, you know, I think there's plenty of data to show that the Fed has gotten better and better and better about shorter periods of recession, less recessions, less volatile markets and more periods of growth for sure. But I think it would be a anomaly and certainly an outlier. And I think the first time in history, um, barring maybe one time, which is like a little bit debatable where a fed tightening cycle has not ended in something breaking. And I mean, we are seeing we are seeing tightening across our businesses, across our portfolio of businesses, across our portfolio of properties, um, and I can kind of talk about that a little bit. 
and uh, I guess that kind of moves a little bit into my, you know, I'll, I'll move kind of into my second prediction, which I think the consumer is stretched. And I think we see a huge spike in defaults. And so both these things, I think, lead into what your uh, prediction is, which is like the, you know, which is the Fed fund rates move by probably 175 basis points. It's more likely than it moving by 50. Um, and I, but I think it's because it's going to break, right? Um, I think something. So, so do you have any, do you have any thoughts on what you think will break or so, just kind of something that we're not even seeing coming? Well, I think commercial real estate's already in a technical recession. Um, by, I mean, uh, you know, you look at the job cuts, you look at the transaction volumes, anybody that relies on transactions is, is down massively, right? All the commercial real estate companies in the world are, you know, JLL, for example, had this earnings cut 95%, right? Um, not revenue, but earnings, right? And so like, there's basically, uh, you know, Cushman and Wakefield, I think had the same thing. So I think that, you know, I think, Commercial real estate's already in a massive recession. Um, I think you're seeing stuff start to break. Um, it, you know, it will probably continue along this path. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't, you know, and I, I think, so I, th I think it's going to be, you have to do something with, you know, the wall of maturities, um, you know, but it's not going to just come from commercial real estate. So we're filling it first, right? But you got to remember that there were a bunch, I think Verizon has like a hundred and or Verizon or AT&T, one of those two or probably both. Um, but one of them has specifically like $185 billion of debt that they financed at like 2% bonds or something. Right. And now they're going back into a market where corporate debt is probably going to be trading, you know, I don't know what 50. So I, I actually don't know, but I think 50 to hundred basis points wide of the 10 year at least. And so they're going from 2%, you know, 2% coupons going to be refinancing over the next 12 months, or they have a significant amount of debt that's going to be refinancing over the next 12 months into significantly higher interest rates, right? Um, and it basically decimates. I think Michael Green had a really interesting article on this um, on his Substack, but it basically decimates all of their free cash flow. Um, and so you're going to see, you know, shareholders are going to demand cuts to jobs. Um, they're going to demand cuts to expenses, spending decreases across corporations. And so that's kind of my prediction. I think what breaks, I think you've already seen stuff start to break across the debt market, you know, or, or across, you know, uh, uh, commercial real estate. Um, and you know, it's not breaking as drastically as I think people expected it to, right? I think mostly you're seeing workouts happen. Um, but corporations, uh, you know, a lot of corporations will will be facing the same thing that commercial real estate faced, but where you'll start to see that hit is in layoffs, right? Um, you know, I think general commercial real estate, you know, pretty lean, you know, can you really run a property without a property manager? No, right? Um, so you're not gonna see a lot of layoffs coming in that area. You're already seeing layoffs though on the transaction side, but not on the, you know, actual property management side. Um, but I think you will absolutely see that across corporations. And so as corporates yep. have to refinance um, uh, into this higher rate environment, I think that's where it breaks and that you're probably already seeing stressing, you're probably, I think you're already seeing stressing in some other areas um, you know, and I think the consumer is stretched, right? Yeah, We're seeing, that, that's an interesting, yeah. that's an interesting point. If you, if you're talking about consumer facing businesses, because you kind of, you can create a death spiral, right? Like you, yeah. if, if the, if higher bond prices are going to force, um, 
corporations to, you know, to shed payroll, to cut costs, that'll in turn, you know, reduce, you know, that'll increase unemployment, it'll reduce um, consumer spending, it'll reduce consumer, you know, it'll decrease consumer sentiment, uh, you know, which will ultimately result in less purchasing, which is just going to force these corporations to, you know, cut spending even more. So it, it does, yeah. I can see how that could, that could quickly that could quickly spiral and and if and force the fed to act right that, that would yeah that would force the fed to act in some sort of a way to stimulate the economy which i think from where we're sitting today like you said if if we figure that uh, let's say inflation is at three percent you know we could argue that it's actually less than that but let's say it's a three percent right now sure. and like you said a neutral rate might be you know three and a, somewhere between three and a half to four percent um, I mean, that's that's 150 basis points below where we're at today. And so that wouldn't even be stimulative, right? Like if they if if inflation is really at two percent and they're trying to stimulate the economy, they'd have to they'd have to get, you know, what we'd have to take 250 to 300 basis points off the um, off the Fed funds rate. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and there's a there's a bit of a mental effect, right? Uh, there's a huge um, you know, there's a huge mental effect that happens as you start to. Uh, you know, as you start to see the, um, you know, as you start to see other companies do layoffs, even if your company doesn't need to do layoffs, right. You're looking at that and you're like, oh crap. Right. You know, like other people are doing this. Maybe I should, uh, you know, maybe we should start to look at this, right. Or what's this wave that's coming. Right. I think there's a little bit of a, um, a snowball effect that happens as you start to see, as you start to see something break. Um, I was actually surprised that the bank banking crisis, right? Like the loss of like Signature Bank, Massive Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, Massive Bank. Um, and what was the other one uh, that failed? Um, First Republic. Yeah. So, so I was surprised that three of those, which were huge banks, massive banks with massive lending arms, um, and just in general, uh, you know, and just in general, huge balance sheets. I mean, the Fed basically came in and backstopped everything, not just two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. So the full faith and credit of the U.S. government was more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It was, you know, whatever you had in your bank account, um, and so that probably prevented some stuff. But I was really surprised that that didn't lead to more nervousness across the market. I was pretty impressed that you know you didn't start to see a snowball effect from that. Yeah. So. I'm kind of curious if like, if your prediction's right and we are headed into a uh, recession in, in 2024, you know, we're sitting here today at the end of the year with the stock market, just like a whisper away from all time highs. Yeah. You know, do you think that the stock market is inaccurately pricing in too too smooth a landing or are they, or are they pricing in anticipated rate cuts because they're expecting some sort of a recession, just not, not too bad. Like, I guess, so where do you, where do you think the stock market goes in in this recessionary environment? Do you think we see another big dip, or do you think it kind of is already somewhat anticipating it? I honestly, so I you know I think I think the bond market is generally a better predictor of of where the economy is going. I think that you know uh, in general the stock market's kind of dumb, um, but I you know that's like a great question. I don't know if the stock market wouldn't rally on rates decreasing right like like i feel like so much has been we have financialized our economy in such i mean this is maybe a little bit more of an esoteric or philosophical discussion um that we're getting into rather than a prediction but i do think that we have um 
you know, we have financialized our economy uh, so much that that the Fed has an outsized um, has an outsized impact on has an outsized impact on like the you know on the stock market. I mean, we've seen any indication of like softening in the economy actually lead to stock market rallies because you know, because rates of, you know, because rates are supposedly going to be going down, right? Right. There, there's very um, much the theme in the stock market for the last decade or more has been kind of good news is bad, bad news is good, right? So there is, there's almost this, uh, you know, there's like a trained response yeah. that, you know, if the market expects the Fed to lower rates, it knows that in turn, the stock market's going to go up. So yeah, it's almost like the, right. if there was news of a recession, that might actually stimulate the stock market more so than, you know, more so than hurt it, which you would think it should. Obviously, if it's going to affect earnings, you would think it would hurt the stock market. You, you would think, right? Um, you know, but the other thing that affects the stock market is people's discount rates, right? Um, so, yeah, so I, you know, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know what happens. Um, you know, I genuinely don't know what happens. My guess is that it continues to rally under news of softening as rates, you know, and, and the expectation that rates are going to decline um, while everyone thinks it's going to be a soft landing. And then something big breaks, unemployment spikes, uh, layoffs happen, earnings, you know, uh, uh, I think I think expectations of earnings are way too high. Um, and so the forward earnings multiples, you know, decrease significantly or forwarding earnings expectations decrease significantly. And then you see the stock market dive. But it wouldn't surprise me if it rallied like S&P rallied another 10% from here um, on the news of a soft landing and the news of, of rates declining. I don't know. Okay, so let's let's just keep we'll recap so we can keep ourselves accountable here. So we've got okay. my bold prediction number one was that we're going to see more than 100 basis points of uh, Fed funds rate coming down. So 125 plus. Uh, your your bold prediction number one was a uh, technical recession in 2024. Yep. Your bold prediction number two was was consumer stretched. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah. What, so what? The, the, yeah. So I think, you know, I think that it comes from I think that it comes from initially comes from you know, corporations having to do layoffs because free cash flows massively declined as they refinance into higher rate environment. Um, you know, even even a three point five percent ten years, you know, double what they were refinancing at a little while ago. Um, so, you know, I think I think that you know, and I think the consumers already stretched. You're already seeing auto loans uh, defaults start to pick up, credit card de default rates start to pick up, um, savings, uh, you know, near zero. And uh, you know, and credit card balances up. So I, you know, and, and and it's way easier to spend more than it is to learn how to spend less, right? It takes way less time to get adapt to adapt to spending more money than it does to spending less. And I think that the consumer is still spending like it's 2021 when they're an entirely, you know, when expenses have have skyrocketed, and I think that everything is getting pushed. And so um, we're seeing you know, spikes in defaults, um, on, uh, you know, spikes in delinquency. I wouldn't, ex you know, I would expect that, you know, on the, on the multifamily renter side, um, I would expect we continue to see that, you know, and you're hearing about it or you're reading about it in credit cards and in auto loans. Um, so as unemployment picks up, you know, I think that the consumer really, you know, begins to, 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 to fill it. Um, and you see, you know, you see 
considerable drop in consumer sentiment and spending. Um, and so I yeah, think that and, is like the next big default. And that makes sense. And up until now, the consumer has been, um, you know, exceptionally resilient, right? I mean, we just got through yeah. uh, a Christmas season or holiday season where we've got, you know, spending consumer spending at an all time high. However, we're also seeing, you know, credit card balances high. You, you're right. You're starting to see delinquencies tick up, auto delinquencies especially. And so I think there's there's probably an argument that corporate profits have been artificially high because the consumer's been slow to, you know, to adapt to kind of a changing environment and actually change their spending patterns. But that could that could happen in a meaningful way here in in 2024. Yeah, and I think. I mean, I have some other, so we have anecdotal evidence. Well, it's data driven, but it's obviously limited to my small portfolio. Um, you know, of seeing increased delinquencies. Are, are you seeing increased delinquencies across your renters or is it maybe, and we're in different markets, right? So it's hard. It's, unfortunately, it's a really weird. So, you know, we're over in, you know, in Tacoma, Washington. So we're outside of Seattle. Right. We've actually had, I don't know that we've ever gotten fully back to a normalized situation since, since pre-COVID. Um, and, and part of that's just because politically we've had so much interference with the renter market, um, in terms of, you know, all of the, all of the moratoriums and the encouragement by, you know, by the state for tenants not to pay rent. And there's just kind of been one, one program after another that has, I think, caused it to not go back to normal. So it's really hard to have a baseline. It's hard to say, are our delinquencies going up or down? Because I feel like they haven't been normal in three years. Um, yeah. but I would say, I guess on the, I, the flip side of that is I would, they're not any worse now than they were six months ago. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that they're, I mean, I, I guess I would say we're still generally improving as we're getting further and further away from, from COVID and all of the, um, government interference, but sure. we haven't, we've never yet gone back to a pre COVID delinquency level. Okay. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I mean, I think. You know, one other bit of anecdotal evidence, I guess I've seen, and I don't know if this is just like specific to my market or whatever else, but I am seeing uh, restaurants that used to be impossible to get into. Now you can get reservations up. So, and I don't know, I don't know if that's uh, like, that is very anecdotal evidence. Um, I also saw a lot of sales coming off of, uh, you know, off of the holidays, um, a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of sales happening um, as stores start to try to move inventory. Um, right after Christmas, uh, just got hit with like a bunch of sales. And so I don't know if I'm just noticing it or hypersensitive, right. Or maybe it's confirmation bias, but I would say I've been shocked at how, you know, my favorite restaurants I've been able to get into when before I wasn't able to get into So, um, or very impossible to get into just here in Miami. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not totally sure if that's a good indication, but I, you know, but I did look, do a quick uh, quick search and, you know, restaurant spending is down. Um, so I think you will start to see, you know, some of that, uh, you know, you probably are starting to see some of that, not frivolous spending, but what do they call it? Um, discretionary, uh, discretionary. Thank you. Discretionary yeah. spending decline. So, so what okay. else you got? Um, so, what other big yeah, so, okay. got? so my bold prediction number two, we'll go away from interest rates for a second. Okay. Um, I think that we're going to see a greater than 50% move in Bitcoin. I'm not going to call whether it's up or down. I just think that if you look at where Bitcoin's at today, a year from now, it is either 50% higher or 50% lower um, than its current level. Yeah. So, and what, what do you think drives that? <laughs> like well, like I, higher or lower, know, 50%, I mean, it's a huge move in a so, year. So my, my thought is, is that the Bitcoin trade as it sits here today at the end of 2023 is fairly binary. 
it's, yeah. you know, it's either going to become a legitimate asset class that deserves a allocation in a well-balanced portfolio, or it's a speculative investment and it's going to remain a speculative investment. And I think we've got, there's been a lot of high profile, uh, you know, high profile fraud, high profile, you know, failures. There's um, efforts to create a, uh, like a, a legitimate Bitcoin ETF. I think all of those kinds of things shake themselves out in 2024. And we're going to get some clarity as to whether or not it, it is in fact a, you know, a legitimate, um, you know, legitimate asset class, a, a true, a true currency, you know, non-government backed currency, or if it's really going to kind of stay relegated to, you know, being a speculative investment that has sort of a niche following. I'm not predicting it goes to zero by any means, but I, you know, as, you know, it's had quite the run up in 2023. And yeah. so I either see that, you know, I either see this as the, the ramp on which it's going to, you know, continue, you know, launch, launch forward, or, I think we're going to fall back, you know, as, um, you know, as kind of sentiment, as sentiment, uh, you know, I don't know what the right, you know, lessons a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Wayne's perhaps. Um, yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think that it's mostly a, is it a rate trade, right? Rates start to come down and Bitcoin rallies. Is it a sentiment on the U S economy or like faith in the fiat system in general, or is it just like a momentum trade? Well, and that's a really good question. I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know the answer to this. You know, I'm just sure. making bold predictions yeah, for the yeah, fun speculate. of it, right? But, uh, <laughs> but um, I guess one thing is, is that up until now, Bitcoin has been pretty, uh, pretty correlated to the stock market, which would suggest that it's primarily a speculative sort of risk on type trade as opposed to some sort of a hedge. Because yeah. um, if, if it was true, right? Right. But if you really thought that Bitcoin was sort of an alternative to fiat currency or, you know, or some sort of a really safe store of value, you would expect it to trade a little more, um, you know, uncorrelated to the stock market. Right. Like you would sort of think that as as people got more concerned about, you know, the future and about the risk environment, they would tend to, you know, buy assets like Bitcoin as a store of, as a store of value. So I guess that's correlated to inflation at the very least. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, so that's part of my, my thinking is that I, I don't, you know, and again, like, I'm not, I'm not going to try to pretend like I know more about this than I do, but <laughs> I, I do think that there is a, I think that primarily right now, people who are buying Bitcoin and, you know, driving the price up in 2023 are doing it because they believe that there is this, that there's going to be some sort of validation of Bitcoin as a legitimate asset. And that, that validation and that legitimacy is going to, you know, create some sort of a surge in demand as portfolio managers need to adjust their allocations. And I think that that's been kind of the underlying sentiment for a few years now. And, you know, I, I just think we're going to get some clarity. I think as, uh, um, you know, certainly a lot of the wind's been taken out of the sales of a lot of other cryptocurrencies. And so, you know, the Bitcoin sort of the, the you know, the, you know, the last man standing, so to speak, like it's kind of, it's the, it's the bellwether of this whole, of this whole segment. And so I think that we'll get some clarity in 2024 as to whether or not it, it, it is a legitimate asset class and deserves a legitimate allocation. So if you had to make a very bold prediction up or down 50%. That's now that's see, that's harder. That's a, <laughs> um, I would probably, I would probably gently lean on up, but I, 
I, I, I mean, I would, I would say it's almost 50, 50. I I'd be like, you know, 52, 48. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I think there's so much money behind it. I, I have a hard time seeing it go away. Right. Um, and maybe that's like, maybe there's like some, uh, fallacy in that reasoning, but it's just such a huge asset class at this point. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't know what the total size of Bitcoin is like the total market market cap of Bitcoin is like $1.7 trillion. So that's bigger than like a ton of economies in the, in the world. So I, I think it's hard to see it going away. And so I think it, I, I think, I think I would lean, I would lean up as well. Um, I also think, you know, I also think it's kind of counter. It, it seems to be like a counter trade to rates. And so, you know, as we've been talking about rates coming down, um, yeah, I think that's, that's a, that's probably one as well. So. Okay. So what's, uh, before we make ourselves sound any more ignorant talking about, you know, cryptocurrencies <laughs> and things we really don't know, um, what's, uh, what's your third bold prediction? So third bold prediction, I mentioned this, I kind of teased it last week, but I think multifamily price declines have stalled and leveled off and we won't see any more declines um, in, uh, in 2024. That's not to say that we won't see losses realized in 2024, right? The declines, the market price where the bid ask spread is met have happened though, right? Um, so those declines have happened. There are losses still to be realized for sure. Um, but, you know, I think as you start to see, you know, the 10 year rate, settling in at a more palpable level um, and something breaks, it drops below three, uh, rates start to come in. That takes a lot of pressure off multifamily, you know, so I don't think you'll see the continued pressure from the debt side. And I do think that the majority of the expense inflation that we've seen, what you really saw, like I, I think I mentioned last time was, you know, uh, rent inflation really ended third quarter of 2022. Um, and then you start to see some declines, but all the expense inflation, like insurance, I mean, the insurance market has been absolutely brutal, even in like non coastal markets, we've just seen uh, outrageous increases. Um, payroll takes a while to catch up. Utility rates, you know, are always lag, uh, you know, uh, consumer inflation, um, as do uh, as do property taxes. And so really, a lot of those big buckets that we saw hit in 2023 and into renewals into 2024, I think, you know, I think are mostly going to level off, um, you know, uh, and you know, there's just, they, they just kind of took the big bite of the apple, just like everyone did on the rent increases in 2022. Now it's happened in 2023. I think you start to see some normalization of rents, you know, gradually onto the incline inspect expenses gradually on the incline as well. But I think you've seen the big bite of the apple of both those you know, both inflation on income, but both inflation on expenses happen. And so your NOI compression's mostly done. Um, and, you know, I think, I think the rate pressure is off. And so I think that, you know, you've, unless there's a big move up in rates, uh, you know, unless you see a big move up in rates, I don't think that you see further declines from where the bid ask spread is hitting right now. Um, so yeah, that's my big, I, I would, big I agree with you on this one. I would say, I, so I, I think we're, we're kind of both on the same page here that Q4 2023 re represents the low in terms of prices of, of, uh, multifamily real estate. 
Yeah. So, and it may, you, it may stay there for a year, right? Like I'm not saying, well, it's that, that was going to be my question course. is, are you, do you think that there's much of an increase? I mean, if we were looking here a year from now, do you, do you think we're going to see, you know, 10% price increases in 2024? Or do you just think we sort of level off and sit here at the bottom for a little while? My really bold prediction, my really bold prediction is that we're seeing the bottom right now. And we're going to start to see as rates rally in, you know, as something breaks, we're going to start to see multifamily prices start to kind of rise again, right? Um, as rates rally a little bit, um, you know, it's going to be counteracted with higher unemployment, uh, slightly higher vacancy, but I think fundamentally um, outside of class A uh, and high growth, high supply markets, um, you know, the unemployment and the supply dynamic dynamics are not going to be able to over or the, the unemployment's not going to be able to overcome the supply dynamic demand dynamics, which strongly lead to like lack of supply. Um, however, yeah. there are, and, and, yeah, there's a there's few, a lot of there's a few markets in certain markets. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a few markets that have a lot of supply still in the pipeline. But yeah. for the most part, we have not seen a lot of starts in the last um, 12 to 18 months in multifamily. And that, as you know, as the there's kind of been this wave of additional supply coming online, which is mostly done at this point. And you're right, like the tr traditional supply demand dynamics should kick in in the next 12 months where yeah. the shortage will start to feel real again, where, you know, a lot of markets, it's it's felt like there's been kind of this glut of supply, but that's that's largely getting absorbed. Yeah, I think it's it's largely getting absorbed. I do think we got maybe another six months of things coming online, but there's nothing in the there's really nothing in the pipeline, right? Since the rates started spiking, um, you know, people with shovels in the ground already had to you know they have to finish the execute on the business plan, but um, you know, many new projects were not started. I actually think if you were a developer right now, breaking ground right now, or even earlier this past year, you would have, uh, you know, you would have been able to, you'd, you'd probably be cleaning up um, during your lease up. But, uh, but obviously, it's, it's also, you know, it's always backwards, right? The hardest time to do something is probably the best time to do it. But it's also the hardest time to do it. So um, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, I think I think the supply dynamic demand dynamics kind of level off. Um, you know, and, you know, I think there's a decent, uh, you know, there's a decent argument to be made that, you know, I think there's a decent argument to be made that, that, you know, the NOI compression, uh, you know, combined with the debt, you know, you do see a lot of realized losses. And so I don't want to discount that, you know, just because we're saying that prices, you know, price decline has has finished doesn't mean you don't see realized losses as people are not able to recapitalize their deals. Um, but yeah. Right. And I don't think that neither of us are saying that we think that we're going to see pricing go back to where it was in 2021 or no, no, early no. 2022. I think we're saying from from the bottom here at the end of 2023, you know, we're going to see some some yeah. measurable increases. Me so, Memories are, are short, but I, I don't think that short. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you know, you would have to get down to, you know, you know, sub four cap rates in a lot of markets, sub three and some to, to hit those sorts of prices. Now, do you, I guess, what about, you know, related to this, related to asset values is obviously rent. So like what, you know, there has not been a lot of rent increases in 2023, you know, just kind of looking at national averages. Do you think that that, do you think we're going to see significant rent increases in 24 or kind of just marginal, you know, maybe pacing inflation, you know, two, 3%. Um, That's my guess is like pacing inflation. And actually I think it's 0% rent increases over the next six months at least um 
I mean, it's been 0% or declines for the past 12. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I don't see things loosening up quite yet until we get into the spring leasing season. So I think once we roll into the spring leasing season, you start to see a little bit of inflation pick in, um, you know, and modest two, 3% rent increases, but certainly nothing big this year. Um, and definitely nothing for the next, you know, four or five months. Gotcha. I guess. I don't know. What, what about you? Yeah, I don't. So I guess here, let, let, let's segue into my, my final, um, yeah, my yeah. final bold prediction. Cause it ties into this, the thinking, my thinking on these two things is somewhat combined. I, I, my, my other, my final bold prediction for 2024 is that I think that we'll see single family home prices increase by at least 10% in 2024. Um, and so that's this one, this one's bold because they're not, the they're, they're sitting pretty close to record highs. Now they're not, they haven't really, we haven't, we've yet to see a, a massive decrease in single family home prices. The lack of supply yeah. has, you know, held prices up, uh, in spite of, in spite of the higher rates, but I, as rates come down, I, I see I see single family home prices running again, and I think that that will relate to multifamily rent prices because, you know, there there tends to be a correlation between, uh, you know, between rent and housing affordability, and as and as single family homes become less affordable in 2024, I do think that that will drive that will drive rent in some in some segments of the market. I don't think it'll drive it across the board, and and obviously when you're talking about kind of um, uh, you know, workforce housing where, where unemployment becomes a much bigger factor. I think that that might have more of a, I think that might be more hindered by the overall economy. But I do think that when you're talking kind of your, you know, your, your B to A, um, you know, uh, multifamily housing products, I think they'll be influenced by an increase in single family home prices. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, this one was the most, the boldest I thought, um, you know, Bitcoin moving 50%, it moves 50%. Well, yeah, that, it, that it just does that on a Sunday, right? Like <laughs> so up or down, it's it's a pretty volatile. Although fifty percent is a, still a huge move, but um, you know, I think we were pretty con you know pretty on point with uh, you know with our other predictions. But I did not see the single family home moving ten percent. I can, I think the rationale is good. Um, you know, uh, certainly in my market in Miami, uh, we continue to see an influx of population growth. Um, you know, uh, and, and there's just, there's just no new land to build homes on. So, um, you know, there's very little new fan, you know, new single family houses and going in. And so everything, every single single family has continued to rise throughout the year. Um, so I can certainly see that 10% is a huge move, but I would certainly, um, you know, it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me, especially as, you know, especially as the consumer mindset goes from like 8% rates to like 5% rates. Right. As you see a decline and most of the people that are buying a single family home um, in these markets are not going to be largely affected by increases in unemployment. So. So, yeah, I, I, I can see this happening. It's uh, it's the one I think it is one of the bolder ones out of our out of our predictions, but I, I can totally see it happening. So if you were kind of if you were going to put a number on it, where do you see uh, single family home prices going in the next year? What would be a less bold prediction? <laughs> A less bold prediction. Um, I don't want to say it's 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 a more right prediction, but I guess my my gut kind of just you know I don't know. Um, so I think 
with the increases, like looking at insurance increases this year, my, my gut, my gut would probably say that we, I don't know. I mean, my, my, my less bold prediction, my non totally non bold, totally vanilla prediction is that how single family housing basically stays the same as the increases in insurance. I think most people think of housing prices as a factor of their monthly payment. And so I think as rates come down, but insurance increases rise and you're seeing that basically nationwide, I don't know about your market, but certainly California throughout the Southwest, throughout the Southeast, um, yeah. I know you're seeing massive increases in insurance. Yeah, we're, we're seeing significant increases in insurance as well. So that's a, I think that's a global factor yeah. here. So, so I think those counteract each other on the monthly payment, um, which is what most people look at. So that's kind of my, um, but I will say I'm in largely exposed markets to already very high insurance pricing. Um, you know, if you buy a, if you buy a $500,000 home here in Miami, your payment's probably going to be 4,500 and 1,500 of that a month is, you know, 2,000 a month, 2,000 of that is probably, well, actually not anymore. Um, you know, actually it's probably going to be 5,500, 3,000 of that's probably going to be P and I, right? Um, 1500 of that is going to be insurance and a thousand of that's going to be property taxes. And so it's a large driver here. Insurance is huge here. Um, so maybe I'm like a little bit too colored in that, but I do think that, you know, I do think insurance is going to, is going to have a big impact on people's ability to pay more. Um, but rates are going to have an even bigger impact. So, you know, I could see a zero to 2% with, with somewhere within the range of inflation increase in single family homes. Um, but I can also see your prediction working out as well, but I just, I think that's my vanilla prediction would be zero to 2%. Gotcha. Wait, yeah. so part totally of what's safe. part of what I'm, part of what I'm looking at is the, the other, I mean, it's, I think it's primarily supply and demand driven. You've got, sure. you've got, um, a, you know, right now we're sitting at like record low, uh, you know, inventory on the market and there's a number mm -hmm. of factors for that, but, but one, you know, but as we go into 2024, we've got very few houses in progress being built. You know, the, the home builders had all really backed off in 2023 with uh, interest rates being where they were. Um, so we don't have a lot of new supply coming online. We also have an incredible amount of homes that were refinanced in 2020 and 2021 at sure. these like sub 4% or even sub 3% interest rates. And it's going to be very hard to convince that cohort of people to you know, put their houses on the market. I mean, they're going to, they're going to have to have a very big reason to sell um, because it's, you know, because there's just such a huge, uh, you know, it just, it's such a huge cost essentially of, of, of getting rid of that really, really low interest rate and then having to go buy something at, at six or 7%. Um, however, there is this incredible, this increasing demand for single family homes. I mean, even just, just for, just due to household formation, you've got, um, you know, you've kind of got a generation of people that are coming of age and looking to buy their first homes and they largely haven't for the last, you know, year, year and a half. And I, I just think that you've kind of got this demand will continue to grow while supply will continue to stay um, yeah. at near record lows. And I, and I think, and then as interest rates drop, I mean, they've already gone from, uh, you know, above eight to below seven. I think we might see them drop down to you know, if, you know, it's to the low sixes, if they don't even, if they don't drop below six. And I think that that'll, 
kind of create the catalyst to get a lot of these people to just go out and pay, you know, pay up for homes rather than continue to wait to buy a home. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I, I think the logic sound, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think I think there's absolutely a possibility, and and you know, home builders take way less time than commercial real estate to build, and so you know they stopped building 12 months ago. So yeah, I mean, I, I can, I, I I think it's not, uh, I don't I don't think it's a bad prediction. I think it's you know it's it's, it's a bold one, and so that's what this episode was for. Those was, was bold predictions, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see where we're right on, and we'll see where we're wrong on in, uh, in 12 months. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Cool. Well, Daniel, this was a lot of fun. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, feel free to, uh, you know, leave in the comments if you're on YouTube or uh, Instagram or uh, wherever you're watching this. If you want to leave in the comments what you think your bold predictions are for 2024, um, we'd love to hear them. And uh, we'd love to hear where you think we're idiots and where we're wrong. So we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, no, for sure. Reach out. We want to know. We want to know <laughs> if you think we're full of it. We want to hear about it. 